morning and welcome to Mountain Park Church. My name is Jan. I'm one of the pastors here and we are so glad that you are joining us here today. You get to come and be a part of what God is doing here in and through Mountain Park. And and I want to take a moment here just to just to say to those of you who, who have been a part of Mountain Park for a little while since before even COVID broke out what seems like so long ago. And I just want you to know on behalf of all of the staff, we miss you. We really do. We miss talking to you and seeing your faces and, and, and hugging you and finding out how life is going and praying for you and talking about scripture with you. And, and we eagerly look forward to the time when, when you know we can be back together again and, and back together gathering and worshiping together. In the meantime, though, we are grateful, very grateful that we get to continue to gather like this. And, and you know, it's important to remember that even though the, the format of our gathering has changed, even though the, the method of how we gather has changed, God has not changed. And when we gather like this, even when it's through online, we can trust that God is still present and he wants to work in the midst of this time. So I wanna take a moment uh, and just pray. And so I ask that you join me as we pray. Well, Lord, we take a moment and we pause and we remember you. And we ask that you come in this time. We, we hold out our hearts and I, Lord, hold out my heart to you. And I, I open it and ask God, would you speak? Would you lead? Would you guide? Would you cause this time to be a holy time where maybe folks who haven't heard your voice in a long time hear it clear and ringing this morning? Would you encourage our hearts and strengthen our minds today? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, you just got to see my hat hair, so how's that for authenticity in the midst of COVID and quarantine? Um, well, we are in this series called Lessons from Quarantine, and I love the idea of this series because it's really the idea that God is at work right now, that, that he's still moving, that he is not quarantined right now. And I think it, it was just easy when, when, when COVID broke out and then the governor should the stay-at-home order and then, and then we weren't able to gather in, in, in church as we normally did, did that it's easy to take a sort of hold-your-breath mentality where you say, okay, we're just gonna hold our breath and get through this and then when it's over we'll breathe again and get back to normal uh, of course we're not back to normal yet and if you've been holding your breath this whole time then you're probably in trouble right and and I think that maybe instead of a hold your breath mentality instead of waiting for it to all to be over we need to embrace a breathe underwater mentality we need to accept hey this is where we are and, and that God continues to work even now and so embracing a mindset that instead of saying, hey, we're just going to wait till this gets over to get back to normal, we're going to say, God, how do we make memories with you right now today? God, how do I build community and make friends and grow in my friendships today? God, how do I make a difference in the world around me today? How do I realize my role in your story right now today? And, and, this has been a particularly 
relevant question for me and my family because we uh, we actually got COVID and we actually were in quarantine for a number of weeks together and thankfully you know we're, we're all fine we're okay we recovered and and our kids got it and, and they got it first and then my wife and I got it but we're we're doing better now we're very thankful for that but we as a family have had to, had to ask God are, are you here in the midst of all of this and what are you doing in the midst of everything that's going on right now and so I wanted to take a moment to give you a chance to hear uh, what God has been teaching us Van Amerongans in the midst of quarantine so let's find out what some of the other uh, members of my family had to say well all right so I'm here with two of my sons Joel and Ezra and also with our very 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 good friend R2D2 Hello, R2. Glad to have you here. So, uh, Joel and Ezra, we'd love to hear what's something God's been teaching you in the midst of all this or a way that you see God at work. So, one thing God has been teaching me during quarantine is that we need to be willing to bend with God's will. Because, well, one way I've been had to be flexible is when my family went into quarantine, I had to be willing to put others first. Two examples of that are, one, when my baby brother Silas was napping, I had to be willing to be quiet. And also, when my mom was sick, we need, I needed to get help with Silas so that she could rest. Mm -hmm. And you did a great job, so thank you for that. Appreciate it. What about you, Ezra? What's something God's been teaching you or what you see God at work? One thing that God has taught me is that he can do things that unexpected, unexpected in unexpected times. What do you mean by that? So, what, so, like... Right now, like God has made more people become believers. For example, um, one time my, me and my mom were walking and she told me the story that a man was had quarantine and before he died he shared the Bible with, uh, with more people who had quarantine. Mm -hmm. And it affected the nurses and everyone else mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah, and they talked about how loving he was and what a difference he made to the other patients and the doctors. And yeah, and God still used him, didn't he? It's pretty cool. Great. Well, what about you, R2? How do you see God at work? What do you see God doing right now? Tell us all about it. <laughs> Great. Well, let's uh, check out what some other members of the Namorongan family had to say. Hi, I'm Abby. And I am Luke. So my lesson from quarantine, uh, the things God been teaching, one of the things God has been teaching me recently has been that I can use all this extra time that I have right now instead of just trying to fill it. Uh, for me, the biggest challenge during this period has probably been boredom. Uh, having a lot of time and nothing I either have to do or really feel like doing. And so I feel like God's really been challenging me that instead of trying to fill it up with entertainment and YouTube and electronics, that I can use it to focus in and um, really connect with God. So for me that's been spending daily time with him. Uh, I tried a new translation of the Bible which has been really really great for me. Um, just jotting down verses that stand out to me. I'll put on, I have like a worship playlist that I can put on and just doodle to. Uh, just talking with him and I feel like through that time, even though it's not a whole whole lot of time every day and I can expand it and change it, but it's been a way in which he can really talk to me, and I feel like I've gotten a whole lot closer. I've gotten a lot of insights about my own relationship with God in a short period of time by being intentional with how I use my time to, um, to connect, I guess. 
something I think God is doing right now is I think he's helping uh, more people come to him when, uh, see, before it was kind of just a regular day-to-day -day basis, and now people are getting really scared. There's a lot of fear and desperation and all that. And I think that's actually helping more people come to God. And not only that, it's also helping uh, strengthen our faith as well. And um, like in the mornings, I've been uh, going out in my new hammock and reading the, reading the Bible. I've started reading through 1 Samuel. And then just afterwards, praying and spending some time with God out in the back. So, um... Now, maybe you're bored of Van Am family members, but let's just go see what two more have to say. Hello, so my name is Salem. And what is God and, teaching? Yeah, what's God teaching me is that you have to be thankful, thankful for what you have. Hmm. What we have is a house, a family, mom and dad, food. Mm -hmm. You're right. And sometimes when things are hard, it's hard to remember to be thankful. Yeah. So I really appreciated that you taught me that lesson that we needed to think about what is good. Huh. And one of the things God is teaching me, I'm Lindsay, I'm Jan's wife and Salem's mom. And um, one of the things God taught me or is teaching me is that I am not in control and he is in control and that I can trust that, and that is where I will find peace. So um, I don't know how many of you know, but our family all went through COVID, and thankfully m most everyone had really mild symptoms. I was probably sick for the longest, and it was really frustrating to me, and I was, in one particular day, I was laying around and asking God to heal me and to finish healing me, and um, our, our son Silas, who will be one, this weekend uh, was playing in our room and pulled something off the shelf and dropped it in my lap but I wasn't really paying attention I looked down and it was a book by Elizabeth Elliot called keep a quiet heart and uh, and as I opened it the first place I opened it to was a poem and it says obey thou restless heart be still and wait in cheerful hope content to take whate'er his gracious will his all discerning love hath sent and so God just reminded me that he knew where I was, he knew what was happening, that he loved me and he was in control and that I needed to be patient and be peaceful and trust him. And so I did and I am every day. And what about you, Jan? Yeah, so God's been teaching me quite a bit recently and, and actually uh, a lot about division and conflict and differences and how I, as a follower of Jesus, am called to respond to those things and how my calling is often uh, different from what my natural response might be. And this all started a, a couple months ago when I was in a small group with some, some friends who were all in ministry and, uh, and, and it was a mixed group. There was men and women and different races and people from different backgrounds and, and we were talking about George Floyd and I was making a point about social media and talking about how social media had really contributed to raising awareness about the issue, that because of social media, people were able to watch the video and share the video and it gained a lot of traction. And uh, I'll never forget a friend of mine who's a black man, he spoke up and he said, yeah, but you know what? The reality is that social media has been around for a decade. For a decade it's been around more. 
and, and, and there's been lots of people who've posted videos and tried to shine a spotlight on this issue and none of them have gained as much traction as this one did. And I'll never forget what he said next. He said, the reason why is because this time we didn't have anything else to do. This time we were bored. We were all in quarantine. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. There was nothing else to do other than be on social media and, and watch and rewatch this video and see what it really showed and talk about it and share it with others. And, and that really struck me and it made me think that maybe one of the things that God is doing in the midst of this time is revealing just how much division there really is. And it's not new stuff, it's just we're paying attention for the first time. And not just division in terms of race, and not just division in terms of our broad society, but division even in our churches, right? Division where, where, where you're talking about reopening, and some people are saying, hey, if you really had faith, you would do this. And other people are saying, hey, if you really cared about people and loved people like Jesus did and wanted to keep them safe, you would do this. And, and not just division in the church, but even division in our homes. I don't know about you, but I, I, me with, with six kids and us being quarantined from being in COVID, I mean, when you're around the same people over and over again in that tight quarters, I mean, the personality differences, just, it just creates conflict. You become more and more aware of the differences and the conflict you have to deal with. And, and, and I think not only in our relationships, even in our own heart. That, that maybe in this time as we have to, to spend more time by ourselves or as we have to spend time in reflection, we, we're, God is revealing divisions even inside of our own hearts. And, and I think maybe he's doing that because he wants us to learn how to handle it better. He's giving us an opportunity to grow and, and, and to handle it differently than maybe the way we've handled it in the past. And so after that small group conversation, a bit later I was reading the Bible and I read a verse that just reached out and smacked me in the face. And ever since then I've been memorizing it and meditating on it and, and, and talking about it with my family. And I wanna share that with you because I think we can learn a lot from it. And it's changed really the way that, that I think about conflict and division and differences. And it, it's in the book of First Peter. If you have a Bible, you can go to First Peter chapter three. But before we jump into it, just wanna make a point first. It's important to know that Peter was deeply acquainted with division. He grew, grew up under Roman occupation. He would have experienced oppression and injustice against his people over and over again. But Jesus, I mean, sorry, but Peter wasn't just a victim. He actually promoted division himself. In, in the book of Acts, he says this, you are well aware that it is against our law, our meaning his as well, for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or even visit him. Okay, there's a word for that. That word is segregation. Right, that the Peter he he actually promoted division even as he was a victim of it, and and Peter led a church then that was deeply divided along racial lines, and God worked in Peter's heart and changed him. God worked in the church and and caused brought unity in the church through this time, and so Peter is writing not just from a theoretical perspective but from a very practical experiential perspective. So let's see what we can learn from him. All right, so here is the verse that God has been using to speak to me so much, especially about division and how I'm called to respond to division and conflict. And just to be clear, I am not the person who copied this down. This was my daughter. My handwriting's not nearly this, this good. Didn't she do a great job? So uh, yeah, so 1 Peter 3, 8 to 9, and it says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. 
because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And so when, when I read this, it's just so clear that God right here at the beginning is declaring his design and desire for his followers to live in harmony. And it's a strong statement right here. This word finally is a Greek word and it, it doesn't just mean, you know, here's the last thing I'm going to say, but it can actually be translated as ultimately or, or in the end, here is what's important all of you. And man, again, what a strong statement. Not some of you, not a select few, but all of you. And not just you collectively, but each individual you, no matter who you are, Jew, Gentile, uh, man, woman, black, white, millennial, boomer, Democrat, Republican, person who thinks that Hamilton is the greatest musical ever, and person who thinks that Hamilton is Okay, and then when it goes on and it says, uh, all of you live in harmony with one another, this one another is referring back to the all of you. So really what it's saying is all of you live in harmony with all of you. And that is really convicting to me because it means that there should be no one in my life that I am not in harmony with. That, that, that there should be no discord in any of my relationships. Now, now I know that relationships are a two-way street, and look, I, I can't control other people, and if they choose not to live in harmony with me, then, then, then I, can't, um, you know, I can't change necessarily change them. But my calling as a follower of Jesus is to actively pursue harmony in all of my relationships, as much as it lies with me, to chase after harmony in all of my relationships. And I want to be really clear that harmony does not mean sameness. See, that's a mistake that we make. We see, as humans, we see conflict and differences, and we think, well, the answer to this is just to erase all of our differences, which in the end really means that you just realize you are wrong and that I'm right, right? That when you pursue sameness, essentially it's saying you need to admit that you're wrong, that I'm right, and, and accept my politics, my agenda, my priorities as your own. But that's not harmony. That's tyranny, okay? And that's not the kind of harmony God calls us to. So what does that harmony really look like? Well, I think in this verse, it, it, it speaks, to, at least to me, four uh, realities about pursuing harmony. And the first one is that if we want to live in harmony, we have got to learn how to handle other people's pain well, as well as our own pain. Okay, you'll notice that it says live in harmony with one another. And the first thing it says after that is be sympathetic. Okay, now that word sympathetic is a combination of two Greek words. One that means together and the other means suffering. And the idea is be together with someone in their suffering. Come alongside them. Put your arm around them. Sit in their suffering with them comfort them, know their suffering, understand their suffering. Don't evaluate it. Don't criticize it. Don't compare it to your own as if it were a competition, okay? But sit with them in the midst of their suffering. Why? Why does it say, be sympathetic right after is the first thing after live in harmony? Well, isn't it true that one of the primary roots of conflict is pain, that, that when you look at, at our world and, and the, the racial tensions there, that one of the roots is pain and hurt. 
Or when you think about the last argument you had with your spouse or, or other arguments that maybe ended relationships, wasn't pain a part of it? See, if we can learn to handle other people's pain well, we can diffuse a lot of conflict and a lot of division. Now, if you're like me, you, you hear that and you say, yeah, exactly, Jan. If only other people would validate my pain. If only they would all acknowledge my pain. If only they would pay restitution for my pain. Then we'd all get along just fine. And, and see, the, the problem is that pain is a tyrant. And, and if we don't heal from our pain, we will be controlled by it and cause the people around us more and more pain. So we have to learn to heal from our pain so that it doesn't color everything we see and so that we're not demanding restitution from everyone around us. We have to pursue healing in our own pain and be willing to sit in the pain of others if we want to pursue harmony. So the second statement is this, you can't live in harmony with an us versus them mentality. It's not possible. See, he goes on and he says, love as brothers. Love as if you're part of the same family, that there is no them. There's no others, there's no outsiders, everybody's an insider. If you win, I win. If you lose, I lose. We are all in this together. See, as long as there is a, a them to blame instead of a we to take responsibility, there will always be division and discord. So we have to be willing to look at other people and say, you and I are in this together. We're on the same team. Number three, harmony requires that we care more about giving others what they need than getting what we want. Okay, so it goes on and it says, be compassionate and humble. And those two things go together because you can't care about other people until you are willing to put their interests first. At least you can't care well for them. So, so harmony requires us to be willing to be humble and say, how do I serve you? How do I help you have what you need? How do I look after you instead of demanding what I, what I want? And then it also means, by the way, being willing to be wrong and, and coming to conversations, being willing to learn rather than coming just to teach. And then number four, and here's the big one. Here's the big one. Harmony requires grace. Harmony requires grace. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. See, we are called to stop the cycle of division, to stop the cycle of pain, to, to, to when, when we're insulted, that we say, I'm not going to let this go any further. I'm going to show grace. And this is so crucial. I mean, if you think, what, what, what would our history be like if throughout history in America we were able to really do this? What would our relations look like? You know, I, I was, my wife and I, this is very uh, applicable to me just recently because my wife and I, we were uh, on a vacation together. It was just the two of us away from the kids. It was awesome. We had a wonderful time together. We spent a couple days up in a cabin. It was great and we were having a blast. And then one night we decided to play cards and we were playing this game and, and uh, we have sort of these unspoken rules that you play sort of a gentleman's way. Yes, you try to win, but but not to the point of making the other person absolutely miserable, right? Like you try to win, but but not to the point of making the game terrible for them. And so so we were playing this game and I got a great hand. I got a fabulous hand. I'm like, man, I could just totally nail her with this. But I said, you know what? I'm going to play by the, the gentleman rules. And so I held back and I, I gave her some opportunities to, to, to go forward. And, and, and then do you know what she did? 
she just whacked me. I mean, she just came in and she totally took advantage of me and just nailed me, totally ignored the gentleman rules. And as soon as she did that, my head brought this verse up. I mean, the Holy Spirit's so good. And he, he said, do not repay evil for evil. Do not repay evil for evil. And I said, you're not the boss of me. That doesn't really count. I mean, this, this that's only don't repay evil for evil on big things, not here. This is just a card game. So, so I got the next hand. I said, all right, fine, I'm gonna whack you. So I whacked her. And she, you know, blinked, and then we played the next hand, and she whacked me, and then I was like, ah, oh, I can't believe you that you would do this to me. You're breaking the rules. And she said, well, you break the rules. And now we have this big, huge argument. We're fighting back and forth, and, you know, thankfully, at the end of it all, we were able to recognize what was going on and make peace with one another. But, but if we don't learn to respond to insult or injury with grace, then we're just going to cause more insult and more injury over and over and over again. So as we, as we wrap up here, I just, I just want you to think about something for a second. Is there any relationship in your life right now where God is calling you to pursue harmony? Where God is saying, hey, you need to be intentional in pursuing harmony with this person. Pray to him and ask him to reveal that to you. Would you join me in praying now as we wrap up our service here today? And I just want to again say thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you that you came. And so would you pray with me? Well, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather online and to, to learn from you, to, to be together with you, God. And we ask that this week you would help us to pursue harmony in all of our relationships, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Have an awesome week.